Blog Talk Radio. You are now listening to CLNS Radio, your source for all things basketball. You cannot stop this guy. This guy is unbelievable right now, and with the way he's playing, he's played an outstanding brand of basketball. You're trying to tell me he's not the next best thing? What are you hearing? Man, all I know is this guy can fall, and if you can come out and play with him, you can play with anybody in the league. I want your opinion. Call into the show. Why don't you drive the rack? Seriously, why don't people drive the rack more often? Fed up with this cookie-cutter brand of basketball, not go out and hand-check. What are you comparing? The guy's got grit. The guy's got moxie, and the guy's got heart. What more do you want? Broadcast through Blog Talk Radio and CLNS Radio. Welcome to the Hooper's Log. Here's your host, Simo Buck. They gonna let me for my into a Friday, January 15, 2016. It is episode 51 here on the Hooper's Log through CLNS Radio, through the CLNS Radio app, on Apple Podcasts, through the FanDuel Studios here. If you'd like to call in and talk about the halfway mid-season report of the NBA season here in the basketball landscape, the phone number is 323-642. 1558 is the number. We're sponsored by FanDuel here on the Hooper's Log. My name is Simo Buckets. My guy, Andrew Norris, is here on the line. Andrew, man, what's up? How's it going? Happy Friday, buddy. Oh, it is going good. Uh, I forgot the show was at one today, so it was a frantic, uh, frantic hurry to get out here, uh, get ready, uh, get prepared. Uh, I thought I remembered about 10 minutes prior to the show. Um, so I'm finally, you know, settling in. I got everything in order, and, and I'm ready to go. No, it's good to hear. I mean, I've been listening to uh, all the mid-season, all the preseason stuff over the last couple of days. It's crazy. It's been about it's been about ten plus weeks since we really started doing this daily thing. It's been ten weeks of doing that, and uh, since then, about ten, eleven weeks ago, twelve weeks ago is when we started all this. And back then was when we started doing our preseason stuff. And and some of the predictions we had were spot on. There were a couple that we were way off on. But outside of that, we are pretty close to what we thought was going to happen coming to this part of the season. And for those of you listening through the app and on the podcast and whatnot, go back to listen to those back in October. We had our preseason conversations about what we thought was going to happen this season and where we think think things were going to be. We had our bold predictions. There's a lot that we had we – had, uh, covered in the preseason and coming into this year uh we had a lot of expectations and a lot of uh predictions to go one way or another and uh that's what we're here to do today we're going to fly through what happened last night in the nba real quickly before we get to the halfway portion of the show andrew you ready to get it going let's do it as kevin hart always says all right all right all right we're gonna learn today all right last night in the nba there were six basketball games uh, again, kind of uh, kind of run-of-the-mill Thursday, if you ask me. Uh, we had one game in London where the Raptors won in overtime, 106-103. to Not shocking there. The team is now 25-15 and near the halfway portion of the regular season. Bulls win in overtime in Philadelphia. Philadelphia at the halfway mark is now 4-37. and They're on pace to win eight games this season. Not good at all. Jimmy Butler had probably one of the performances of the year, 53 points. Yes. 
53 points in a 115 to 111 overtime victory over the Philadelphia 76ers. 53 points, 10 rebounds, six assists, and three steals, a 78 on the whiteboard worthy performance scale. He went absolutely bonkers in this ball game for Jimmy Butler. He went crazy. As the Bulls get the victory, they're now 23 and 15 as they just start their second half of the season. The Pistons can't quite get it done against the Grizzlies. 103 to 101. The Pistons are 21 and 18 near the halfway portion of the regular season. They're playing outstanding basketball. We talked to Jake Chapman last night, and this truly was this truly was a game where we we saw a test in the Pistons go into the grindhouse, and it was a tough one. Mario Chalmers really was the step up performance there with 25 points and eight assists. He was outstanding in that one against the uh, against the Pistons. We'll get to the game of the night here in a moment, but the Kings beat the Jazz 103 to 101. Demarcus Cousins uh, wipe away the performance there. 36.17 rebounds, an absolutely dominating performance as he is putting his stake on the NBA as the best big man in the league. Again, he dominated in that one as the Kings get the victory. They're, they're, they, are, they are eyeing a potential playoff spot heading into this second half of the season. They're 16-23. and 23. They're on pace to win 32, 33 games this season, and the Jazz are, are, are struggling as of late. They're still hanging around that eighth spot, but they're, they're, they're now 17-22, and 22, and as of right now, they are now – they're still hanging in at a potential playoff spot, a game up on the Portland Trailblazers, but they're hanging in there and getting it done. And the Warriors are now 37-3 and three as they beat the Lakers. The Lakers play the Warriors for the final time uh, with Kobe Bryant in Golden in, in San Francisco, down 19-0 and are the Golden State Warriors at home, 116-98 to get the victory there. Steph Curry had an outstanding game. Uh, and, and the Warriors, again, just keep chugging along. The best team in the first half of the season, they have proven us. As we, If you look back on the predictions that we had before the season, they have proven to us that they, with the target on their back, with everyone playing their best basketball against them, they're, they're the best team in the league. They are. They're the best team in the league. Steph Curry has proven that he's one of the top three uh, point guards in the league. Uh, Draymond Green has taken a giant, and, and that's, Taking saying a lot considering the guy came into the league, Draymond Green, you know, improving. But to this level, he has been probably the best forward in the league outside of LeBron James. He has been the best forward in the Western Conference this first half of the season, bar none, in uh, in the Western Conference. Game of the night, though. And uh, this, this game has, I, I think, and you can say all you want about the Golden State Warriors, but I think the real shocker, and it's not much of a shocker, considering the organization that they are and what they've done over the last almost 20 years now is what the San Antonio Spurs did last night to the Cleveland Cavaliers. Cavaliers lose uh, 95-99. The Spurs are now 23-0 at home, 35-6 and at the first half mark of the regular season. And Kawhi Leonard had an outstanding game, 20 points, 10 rebounds, 5 assists, and also held LeBron James. Didn't, didn't stop him, didn't, didn't didn't you know have he didn't have a bad game but at the same time he slowed him down enough to get this team where they needed to get this was an unbelievable game this game had the presence of an NBA finals game and I felt like it was June watching this one in my nice warm office at work late at night uh it felt like a summertime basketball game that I was watching this really did have the feel of an NBA finals game one feel to it as the Spurs played unbelievable, the Cavs played unbelievable. This was a game where I felt, look, this could be the NBA Finals, and I, I really don't see how it wouldn't be. Um, 
and the Cavs are now 27-10, and 10, the Spurs 35-6. and 6. You talk about a game where now, I think heading into the second half of the season and seeing how the Warriors have been playing the last week or so, and now, especially with tomorrow, and the Warriors starting their tough stretch tomorrow at Detroit, where Detroit will be all the more than motivated to beat the Warriors, and the Warriors start their tough two-week stretch. You might look at this Spurs team and think that they are now the favorites to win the NBA Finals. And I'm not being a homer. I'm not coming out and saying that it's just because my team. I'm telling you, last night I saw a coach in Greg Popovich ease off the ease off the uh, the, the 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 button the, the gas pedal. He eased off the gas pedal, and he and he he was as chill as I've ever seen him. And this team came out with the most fire that I've seen them come out with since they won the finals two years ago. I'm I'm telling you, this team, the Spurs, are on a whole nother level, and it's out without even Greg Popovich pushing very many buttons. This is a team where if they play this way for the next couple of months, you might see them surpass the Warriors, and they may be the ones that are in the discussion of competing for the the 95-96 Bulls. They they might, and I'm not I'm not being a homer. Again, they have six losses. They're not playing as high a clip as the Warriors at 37 and three. But considering the stretch that the Warriors have in front of them and the way the Spurs are playing, who's not to say that the Spurs can't take the number one seed here over the next couple of weeks, three weeks, heading into the All-Star break and saying that they're the number one team in the Western Conference? Because I'm telling you, watching what they did last night, and as a Spurs fan growing up, watching them the last almost 15 years, it, it, this, this is the best I've seen this team play this early in the season since it's it's been a long time, it really has, and I don't think I can ever remember it. That's how good they've been playing. Andrew, what was your take from this game last night? Is the Cavs and Spurs really just played an awesome basketball game? I wasn't as excited by this game as everybody else. I thought it was a very very good game, but I mean the the crowd in San Antonio was dead. I mean I I know what it's like to have a team like that. Okay, I am a fan of the Detroit Red Wings uh, during the regular season. Uh, you know, it's not that exciting because we know they're going to the playoffs. It's been a quarter century since they've missed the playoffs in, in the Red Wings. And, and I know they're not going to miss, so, like, you get excited, but it's not like you're going to scream like right. an oracle. And, and that's kind of the feel you got from the Spurs, which in the playoffs is a whole different story, and that kind of took took away from the game a little bit for me. Um, but, you know... <laughs> I saw something very disappointing. I, I normally, when you see Spurs fans, they're well educated on the game. Yeah, they only right. have one really bad opinion, and that's that uh, Tim Duncan's a top five all time player, which he's clearly not. And uh, no, it, 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 I mean he's he's an all time great. He's a first ballot. He's not all top five all time. Uh, but then you know no. I see all these things about how Kawhi Leonard is lo- locking down LeBron James, and I'm just watching yeah, no. amazement. I, I, he went nine for seventeen, for twenty two point seven rebounds and five assists. I, I mean, <laughs> really? That's locking somebody down. I, I mean, he slowed him down by what three points a game and a half an assist. And, right. and that's you know, and that's because when you play the Spurs, unless you're going to completely dominate the game and go out and score forty, you need to you need to be more of that team player. You can't take twenty shots and they're going to take advantage of it. Um, you know, the starting lineup for the Cavs, in my opinion, is the best one in the league. Uh, I still don't think Kyrie Irving is 100%, and, and you could see that. Last night, I mean, four of their five starters had positive plus minuses. 
except for Kyrie. Kyrie was negative seven, along with, uh, and then you go to the bench, and everybody had a negative plus minus. Shumpert and Richard Jefferson. When Richard Jefferson was on the court, oh man, was it ugly. I mean, he's he's one of those guys who's going to be good in the regular season. Like we've seen him make some good, and he's going to do that in the regular season against these bad teams. But come playoff time, if you still have Richard Jefferson on the court, the Cavs are going to run into some trouble at that bench. They need a real three or four uh, swing man to come off the bench, say P.J. Tucker. Um, you, you know, kind of maybe Marquise Morris, but I don't think a, a championship pedigree team really wants Marquise Morris. I'd take him on the Pistons, but that's because I got his brother. Um, and, and, you know, I almost think they'd be better off in the playoff, come playoff time with James Jones on the court, and I, I honestly mean that. Right, uh, right. Uh, I I'm I'm impressed that obviously the Cavs are 0-2 versus the Spurs and the Warriors so far this year, but they've lost by a combined what eight points on both of their yeah. both of their home uh, home courts. Uh, right. Excuse me, it's more than that. It's it's ten points. Uh, but I mean, you can average losing by the, the, those two teams are now 42 and 0 at home this season, and yeah. they've lost by a combined ten points. So I don't think it's something if you're a Cavs fan that you really want to worry yourself no. about because it's really not a big deal. And we know the Cavs are going to come out tonight and dominate the Rockets. Okay, it's on ESPN. Yes. LeBron, as much as these players act like they don't read Twitter, LeBron, Kyrie, all those guys went on Twitter afterwards. Yeah. They saw all these comments about Kawhi locking down LeBron or Kyrie, uh, not prime Tony Parker was, which he may not be, but, you know, that still gets in his head. And they're going to come out tonight and fight, man. They're they're going to go twenty eight and ten after tonight and and really dominate. But I I would be cool with seven games of this when the crowd's really into it. When Tim Duncan's old manness is finally going to show because he's going to get beat up in a seven game series against in a in a final seven game series. I'm sorry, and people have been saying it for years, but I think this is finally the time where he would get beat up to the point where he by game seven, game six, game five, he couldn't play that well anymore. He's not that good right now. Okay, I mean right. Right. I saw a post on Bleacher Report that he was the second best center in the NBA. Um, no. If 9.2 points and 7.7 rebounds is the second best center, I don't think anybody should ever watch basketball again uh, unless yeah. they're, they just love guard play more than anything. But, you know, I I, I enjoyed this game. Uh, I was I was disappointed, obviously, being being a Cavs fan, uh, but but it was it was something that I would be – definitely willing to see in June. Look, watching this game, and like I said, like I said as I was as I was talking about it, this game it it feels like like honestly after watching this game, I it was one of those things where I was like, man, I wish they played a seven game series and I wish game 2 was tomorrow night. Like that's how it felt. Watching this game, it felt like there were adjustments needing to be made in a couple of days. That's like it felt like watching, you know, the first the first couple of moves of a chess game. That's what it felt that's what it felt like watching this game because as I was watching the Spurs play I was like oh my gosh the Cavs I was starting to watch it from a playoff perspective like I was watching to see where the next move would be in the next game I was like okay LeBron struggled here but I can guarantee you he won't drive to the rack like that on Kawhi next time he'll take this angle uh, Tristan Thompson won't be there at this spot next game. Uh, Tim Duncan won't be be there. LaMarcus Aldridge will improve. I was looking at it from like a, a playoff mentality perspective of this is an unbelievable game, but from one game perspective, I was looking at it from a multiple game perspective, from an NBA finals, a, a, a playoff perspective where I was like, 
Kawhi could have done better in that circumstance. LeBron could have done better. Tristan, uh, Kyrie Irving could have. Uh, Tony Parker played out of his mind. But would Tony Parker play like that the whole series? I don't think so. I really don't. I think Tony Parker would give you one, maybe two games like that. Maybe. One game, maybe one game. And, and that would have been the game. And that's where I was like, if Tony Parker is going to go off for 18 points in the first half and you're still winning, I think you're doing a pretty good job in Cleveland. Like you said, I agree with you. I think if this – I honestly, if the Cavs and Spurs play, were playing this way heading into June – playing in the finals, if they, if they got that far, I would, I would tell you, I, I put my hands up and I'd be like, I don't know. I really don't know. Because when the, when the Heat, when the Heat and Spurs played back-to-back finals, the first year they played in 2013, I, I sat there and said, look, as much as a Spurs fan as I am, I think the, I think the, the Heat will win in six because of you people forgot the Spurs were amazing that year in the, in, in the, in the playoffs. They only lost two games in both those games. Were to uh, were to the Warriors, but you know, uh, you know, ironically. Um, but when they got to the finals, you had to recognize: look, the Heat were the best team in the NBA by a long stretch. LeBron was the best LeBron, most athletic in his prime. LeBron we've we've ever seen. Yeah, he was great last year in the playoffs, but what we saw in 2013 was unreal. It was it was a historic, one of the greatest players we've ever seen. And I thought going into that finals. The Spurs would stand no chance. I thought they'd hang. I thought they'd win a couple, but I knew the Heat would win. And, and after we lost, after we lost the way we did in Game Six by Ray Allen's nail biter, we should have won that game. We and I will always say we choked. We should have won that game. I was shocked. I was. I was shocked at how competitive we were. Yeah, it was unbelievable. I'll sit there. I a minute. With the game left about 15 seconds to go, I thought the game was over. I thought we'd won it. I, I, I was sitting there saying we were NBA champions for the fifth time. I was excited. And then Ray Allen hits the shot. And that's when going into game seven, I was like, okay, it all comes down to this now. And, and we lost. And I wasn't upset. I was upset at the fact that we choked, kind of like how the Vikings lost uh, a week ago in the, uh, in, in the playoff game. But I wasn't upset because I knew we weren't the better team. I knew we weren't. Because LeBron, Dwayne Wade, Chris Bosh, they were all really playing good. I mean, they were playing their own version of their role, and they were dominating. They were doing a great job. And they won, and they won the championship, and they were more than deserving. And that team in Miami was one of the top ten teams of all time, in my opinion. They were. And then going into the year after that, I knew redemption would be a chance, but knowing our age, I didn't know. And then clearly when we got to the finals, after the first couple of games, I was like, oh, yeah. The Heat ain't going. The Heat ain't got this. They ain't got this. I mean, I know LeBron had his cramps. I know Dwayne Wade was clearly not healthy, and some of the bench players on Miami were not the same as a year before. But it was not the same team, and the Spurs were clicking, and they were clicking great. But now it's like, wow, this team. And yes, you're right. Tim Duncan is not a top ten center. Tim Duncan is not a top thirty center. This guy is not that good anymore. This guy. You were mentioning it in the in the, in the preseason about Manu Ginobili. Tim Duncan, quite honestly is just fundamentals. He has no athleticism. He has nothing on him. He's just a player at this point. He's just a piece to the puzzle. That's all he is. He's not the Tim Duncan of all-time great. He's not. He's not. No. Just, just get that out of your head. If you're one of these bloggers or one of these people, that, no. Tim Duncan is not that anymore. Calm down. The only guy on this team who is a legit superstar, all-star player is Kawhi Leonard. Outside of that, and, and, and Kawhi Leonard has proven it to us in this first half of the season. If Kawhi Leonard wasn't playing the way he's been playing through the team, uh, through, through the system, team system that the Spurs have, I can guarantee you the Spurs would be 
more in the middle pack, bottom pack of the Western Conference because Kawhi Leonard has been that good. Is he the best player in the league like freaking Charles Barkley said? Absolutely not. No. Is he a top five small forward? Yes, absolutely he is. But he is not the best forward at his position. No, you got guys like Draymond Green, LeBron James. Those two guys right there are automatically better right now, right now than Kawhi Leonard because they're just playing outstanding basketball. And I'm not going to – and I'm a Spurs fan. I'm a diehard Spurs fan. But I'm not going to sit here and tell you that Kawhi's better than LeBron. Are you out of your mind? He played great on LeBron last night. But, again, like, like, like Andrew said, he only, he only stopped him a little bit behind. Those misses that LeBron had were basically perfect defense. LeBron played the perfect game last night. People forget LeBron played a pretty good game last night. And Kawhi just had a couple of plays. Honestly, those couple of plays are really what dictated the ball game. On top of Tony Parker played a great game. Parker played an unbelievable game. I, I saw a Tony Parker last night that put me back in the spin cycle of feeling like I was 13 again. Seriously, I, I felt like it was early 2000s Tony Parker when I saw him go off last night. That was that kind of game you're not going to see in a seven-game series from Tony Parker very often, if at all. And so we got that performance, and the Cavs got off to a hot start. Our defense in the second half was incredible from a standpoint of, um, finding ways to slow down the Cavs and get back in the ball game and win. That was impressive, and I was, I was more than just like, okay, we're, we're here. We're here to stay. I don't really know who could beat us right now because, to be honest, going into this game last night, I thought, our, I thought our home streak would end. I thought our win streak would end. I thought everything would end for us. And you saw a Spurs team really come up from the dead in this one because they were, they were getting beat early. They were getting beat bad early. And they came up from the dead. They played a great game. And the Cavs, I'm I telling you, give them credit because, like you said, going into Golden State, going into San Antonio, only losing by really, you know, less than 10 in both games, less than only four points in this one, give them credit. This, is, this team is leaps and bounds better than everybody in the East. And it is, it is – the record doesn't show it. 27 and 10 does not really show how much better than they are than everybody in the Eastern Conference. Look. Toronto. Do you think Toronto could walk into San Antonio and compete? No. Do you think Chicago could walk into San Antonio or, or even Golden State for that matter? No. None of the top four teams outside of Cleveland in the Eastern Conference could even sniff competing in both of those arenas right now. And Cleveland can walk in there and compete, take big leads, go on runs, play with them. I'm telling you, Cleveland is about two and a half, three and a half steps at everybody. And that's, no, that's not being ironic considering that we're at the halfway point and Cleveland is three and a half games up on Toronto. They're, they're seriously like, when it comes to a competitive perspective, three and a half steps above everybody else. They really are. They're just that good and they're that dominant. Um, that's really the games from the NBA last night in the world of college basketball. Is there anything else you want to talk about in that game, Andrew, before we move forward? Let, let's go on. Okay, yeah, Iowa beat Michigan State last night. Uh, Iowa clearly uh, having some sour grapes from the Big Ten Championship in college football as they destroyed Michigan State 76-59. They destroyed them in Michigan State. That's a big-time win. Iowa now 4-0 in the Big Ten. You talk about maybe taking a big leap in the rankings coming up next Monday. That that might be the case for Iowa there. Arizona destroying Washington in a big uh, Pac-12 championship, excuse me, Pac-12 uh, matchup there. Louisville beat Pittsburgh 59-41. Not shocker there as Louisville's catching on. They're 14-3 and now 3-1 and in the ACC. BYU upset Gonzaga last night 69-68. Not a shocker there. Uh, if you don't live out here, uh, you kind of know that Gonzaga's kind of been riding this uh, this media hype for the last five years. They're not as good as they've, they've been, you know, quote-unquote, in the rankings. Trust me, they're really not a top 25 team. They're a very small 
program. They're good, but they're not top 25. They haven't been top 25 for a very long time. Um, outside of maybe the year they had Kelly Olynyk. outside of that year they've been kind of eh. Um, so BYU beats them there in that one. That's really your update in the world of college basketball. We'll preview the games for you at the very end of the show. But let's get into the halfway mark of the NBA. We're, we're pretty much there. After this weekend, every team will have gone through their halfway mark in the NBA season. Some teams are just before. Some teams are just after. But we're here at the halfway mark in the NBA. And we had bold predictions before the season. If you heard our show, our preseason prediction show, the day before the regular season began, you saw, you heard what we talked about. And to be honest, we've been pretty close. We, 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 we've been kind of off, but we've been on for, most, for the most part. I had some bold predictions. I said Rudy Gobert would be a third-team All-NBA. Uh, no, that's not going to happen this year. The guy got hurt, first of all. Second of all, even while he was healthy, he's still adjusting to the game and getting – when it comes to being an elite player, he's not there yet. He's just not. And uh, clearly there have been some other players who've taken the leap forward that he hasn't. And it's not to say that he's not playing well because he is, but he got hurt, didn't help on top of the Jazz really aren't. They got off to a hot start, but they're not as good as I think we expected them to be before the season. And, again, they're young. They're taking that step, though. There's 17 wins at the halfway mark. That's not bad. Clearly they should be better, I think. But at the same time, they're still young, and they still got some growing pains to go. So Rudy Gobert, not a third-team All-NBA. That's not going to happen. Steph Curry. He is a top three-point guard. Whether we like it or not, Steph Curry is a top three-point guard in the NBA. He's going to be starting in, in, the, in the NBA uh, All-Star game. He should. He is the best outside of Russell Westbrook, because I still think Russell Westbrook's the best point guard in the league. Outside of Russell Westbrook, Steph Curry is right there with him. I mean, he's step for step. He, he leads the league in points. Um, he's actually improved from last year. Do I think he's MVP of the league? We'll get to that in a bit. And I'll answer that question shortly. Um, But he is definitely a top three-point guard. He still is. And I made this case that he might not be coming into this year. He still is. And he's banged up. Now, will he be top three by the end of the year? Who knows? That's still to be determined. But as of right now, yeah, he is. He's still a top three-point guard, and he's proved it this year. And I said the Knicks, 76ers, and Nets would all have the top three picks heading into the next season, heading into this draft this year. I, I, I was wrong on that because the Knicks are playing out of their mind. Look. Look at this, people. They have more wins right now than they did. They have, they have the amount of losses they have right now at 20 is the amount of losses that they had by, I believe, by, I believe like January of last year. I mean, they, they had, they, excuse me, they, they, the amount of losses that they had at one point this year was, they, 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 they don't have that many losses right now. They have 20 wins. They have more wins this year than they did, you know, I, I believe in like in the last year and a half. I mean, they've been crazy. They've been crazy good this year. The Knicks have 20 and 20 at the halfway mark. They're average, but they're not horrible. They're definitely not horrible. They're playing good basketball and they're playing inspired basketball with their new guy, Christoph Porzingis. The places where I was correct though, Paul George guy has been, he has been an MVP candidate at this point. You can make the case that Paul George, maybe not quite top three in the conversation of MVP, but he's definitely top five. I mean, the guy, without his presence on this team, where would they be? I don't think they'd be that good. Averaging 24-7-3, and three, almost 7-4 and four in the first half of the season, that guy has really carried this team in the Indiana Pacers. And they're 22-17 and 17 for a reason. They're in the middle pack of the Eastern Conference. Will he win MVP at this point? No, he will not. But he, he will be in the conversation of saying, look, look what he did last year and being hurt, not being around, and then now this year being back. Now the team has a legit chance of being a top four 
top five team in the Eastern Conference, and it's all because of Paul George and obviously the addition of Monte Ellis, but he's been a big factor in that. Another one that I was correcting, and I feel like this is going to happen. The Cavs lost their 10th game last night. I said before the season that there would be no Eastern Conference team with 60 victories. Now, that's no knock on the Cavs. They can still do it. They definitely can. They have 12 losses to, to wiggle with this, in the this second half of the season. But look at how parity-driven the Eastern Conference is. Coming into this year, I don't think any of us thought that the Eastern Conference would be this good. I mean, I don't think we thought it would be bad, but I don't think we thought it would be as good as it is. All teams right now in the playoffs would be winning, winning teams. That hasn't happened in the Eastern Conference in all decade. All decade that hasn't happened. And if this trend keeps up, don't be shocked if the Cavaliers are only eight games, nine games up at the end of the season in the first place, because I think they will. I think, they'll, I think they'll be leaps and bounds above everybody. But I think they might not have 60 wins. They might, have, man, they might just have 58, 59. And that's no knock on them. I think they're still the best team in the Eastern Conference. But considering how parity-driven everyone is, how good everyone's playing, they may run into some bumps more than we think they will. And for all we know, LeBron James could need some rest at one point. Kyrie Irving might hurt himself again. Uh, you never know with Kevin Love. Obviously, the, and the team's getting better. I'm not knocking them. They're getting better. But they could run into some bumps here and there, and those 12 losses may become more realistic than we think, and they might, they might only win 59 games. And I said that before the year, no team in the East is going to win 60. Not like last year when Atlanta won 60. That's not going to be the case this year. I feel like the Eastern Conference is still on pace to not win 60 games. I think that can be a, a realistic uh, conversation. Andrew also had some bold predictions. I'll go through his real quick. And he was only wrong on a couple of them. He said Kevin Durant was only going to play probably 60 games this year heading in. Right now he's played 33. Now, there was a point in time where he was out for about two weeks, three weeks with his foot problems. If he, if he runs into those again, Andrew will be correct, and I believe Andrew will be right on that. I, I, I do agree with that. But he has 33 games under his belt in the first half. That's pretty standard for most players right now in the NBA. Most of them have about 37 to, to 38 games. He's got 33 if he just keeps playing the way he's playing, he'll be fine, and he's been playing an outstanding – he's been playing at starter, all-star level this season compared to last year when he was out for majority of the year. Um, also, uh, the Spurs, he said, would only win 49 games, Andrew said. Uh-uh. No. No. They're on pace. They're, the Spurs are on pace for 65-70 wins. And, and I get where Andrew yeah, was coming from in the preseason. They What's only got to go uh... – they only got to go like 14 and 25. Don't throw it out the window yet. That's true. That's true. And that, But, see, when it comes to pace, though, 35 and 6, no. <laughs> Trust me. The Spurs could put out Kyle Anderson and, 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 and Tim Duncan could start the rest of the year with no rest, and they would still find a way to win at least 15. They're going to be a 50-win team this year. Um, again, it's going to happen. Yeah, it's it's gonna happen. And again, and and if and if and if they if they if they poop the bed and everything goes bad, I still see them winning fifty games. Will they be a will they be a championship contender if they do that? No, absolutely not. no, no. If they only win fifteen games the second half of the season, no, throw it out the window. They won't win. They will not be in the finals. But I don't see that happening. I think they're gonna win at least fifty at the minimum. Sixty wins is in is in the possibility. Um, and but the ones that Andrew was correct on. Uh, he said Milwaukee would miss the postseason. I was very high on this team heading in. I did have them as a fringe eight. They still have that opportunity, but realistically, with all the teams they have to leap at this point in the season, I, I don't see it happening. And Andrew was correct on that. I still, If Milwaukee makes the postseason, then he'll be wrong. But as of now, he was correct, and it looks like he's, he's more correct than not. Andre Drummond, he said he'd be a top seven MVP candidate. 
The guy is the best center in the Eastern Conference, and there's no debate. And going into the offseason, I said, look, Andre Drummond, you're being a little bit of a homer in the no, Andre Drummond is the best center in the Eastern Conference. There's no debate there. There's no debate. Uh, he's, he, Andrew said he'd average 18 points – or excuse me, Andrew said he'd average 20 points per game, 14 rebounds per game. He's actually averaging a shade over 18 points per game and over 15 rebounds a game. So he's playing a little bit around what Andrew predicted, and he's going to be a top – if this team gets into the, gets into the, uh, it's, it's into the playoffs – he will be an MVP candidate. He might even be a top five MVP candidate. So you're talking about a guy who is the best center in the Eastern Conference. And also, Andrew said the Cavs may only lose one game in the Eastern Conference playoffs, and that's still clearly yet to be determined. But considering how much better leaps and bounds they are over everybody else, it's getting more and more evident that that actually may happen. This team may get into the postseason and sweep whoever they play in the first round, which is looking like either Boston, New York, or whoever. They're going to sweep them. They're going to play someone in the second round who's going to be a little bit challenging. They may lose one of those, but then they'll play in the Eastern Conference Finals. I don't really see how they're going to lose to any of these teams. I mean, if Toronto, Chicago, and uh, Toronto, Chicago, and whoever the other team is in there, Atlanta, if they all go back to the Eastern Conference Finals, I, do you really think Cleveland's going to lose a game? I don't think so. So I, I actually think that's actually looking more and more like a possibility and a realistic chance there. Um, and so those were our bold predictions, and Andrew was right as of right now. Three of his three of his five, I was I was only right on two of my five, but uh, we're looking pretty accurate as of right now. Um, also, we, we we wanted to break down each conference for you as we go forward. We had our predictions before the season, um, and what we had before the year is uh, we we had our predictions and who where we thought was going to go where. What you know, Eastern Conference wise, uh, what was going to happen in the Eastern Conference? This is what I had, and this is what's going on as of now. Eastern Conference, I had the I had the Cavs winning 59 games, pretty much on pace for that. They might do better. Um, they definitely on pace for 60 wins right now, but they're they're around that. Chicago 53 and 29, Indiana 49 and 33. They're on pace for that. Toronto 48 and 34. They're on pace for that. I mean, maybe better. Miami, Atlanta, Washington. Washington's actually probably the only team out of my predictions that really isn't on pace. And Milwaukee. Milwaukee and, and, uh, and Washington are probably the two teams that, that, are, that are not playing as well as I thought they would. Orlando's playing better than I thought, 38 and 44. They're playing better than that. Uh, Boston is playing around what, they, what I thought. The, the Knicks, I had the Knicks winning 20 games before the season. They have 20 wins now. So they're clearly playing better. Philadelphia I had winning 16 games. Uh, that looks like they're probably going to do worse than that, although considering how bad they are, they may actually win about that many uh, in the second half. Um, and then uh, Detroit I only had winning 39 games. They're going to win more than 39. They're going to win 40-plus. It's going to happen. Um, and, and in the Eastern Conference, it's still looking like it's going to be Cleveland coming out of that conference. I, I really don't see it being any other way. Andrew? What do you see from the Eastern Conference so far in the second half and, and, and dally about what you thought was going to happen in the Eastern Conference before the year and, and talk about what you've seen in this first half? Yeah, first of all, uh, i got to brag, as I always do when I get something right, because uh, we all know how <laughs> rare that is. Um, I had my Milwaukee winning 33 games. They are halfway through, yep, have on 16 in. Uh, they're, they're actually one game below that. And I, I don't know. I thought it was fairly obvious. Um, you know, I, I obviously said Brooklyn was going to be awful. We all knew Philadelphia was going to be awful. 
teams that have shocked me the most, obviously New York. Like you said, we both had them win yes. anywhere from 20 to 25 games. They already have 20 wins, okay? They're on pace to double what we said. Yeah. Uh, yep. Toronto Toronto has looked outstanding. They've been streaky, though. They started, you know, 6-0 and and then lost four in the next five and so on and so forth. Uh, Chicago is the biggest tease in the entire NBA. Uh, but I just love the parity in the Eastern Conference. I love that my Pistons are in a playoff spot right now um, because they – they are the best team in the NBA. Uh, obviously, they would destroy the Warriors, Spurs, and Cavs if they played them 15 on five. Uh, yeah. And I actually think they set that up for the finals because we all know that that's the chance any other team has to win. Now we're just letting them yeah. win on purpose. We want to hang around the eighth or seventh seed. But hey, hey, that's uh, it's just <laughs> awesome to see them in a playoff spot. I mean, yeah. it, thinking about where we were last year. Uh, you know, at one point they were five and twenty-three. At one point they lost fourteen games in a row. Uh, yeah. And now Brandon Jennings is healthy. Jody Meeks should be back in a few weeks. Um, Reggie Jackson even has had a little bit of a cold spell, and they lost their last two. But prior to that, they were playing pretty well. Andre Drummond hasn't played great in January, but they're still in these games with these great teams, and, and they're going through a slump right now. Compared to the rest of their season, they're going through a slump but they're still competitive, they're still winning games, and they're still the seventh seed. They are two games yeah. back of being the four seed. They are only right. three and a half games back of being the two seed, and we're halfway through the season. That, that's that's yeah. insane growth. From 5-23 and 23 through 28 games to, to being three and a half games back of a two seed the next year. Um, so, yeah. Dave Van Gundy's doing a spectacular job, but Man, maybe the team of the year so far in the East, the Orlando Magic. Even yeah. with the, what they start, 0-4, even though they could have won all four. So since then, they're 20-15. and 15. Yeah. They're, they're, That's a good team. Uh, now, they just need to add a few more pieces. And this sounds <laughs> – this is basically everything. But a few more good pieces and a superstar. They need a superstar. Or if they don't get that superstar, guys like – like Vucevic, he's he's outstanding, but I just don't look at him as a championship player. I don't think I ever will. Right. Uh, he like mm. he he's great. Uh, Alfred Payton, yeah. unless he can you know get a some resemblance of a jump shot, not really a championship player. If Fournier is starting over Oladipo in the yeah. future, not championship material. Uh, Shane Fry right. is still in the rotation. I mean it, it's. There's a lot to be fixed there, but the way this team plays, and it's it, with all I said, they're still 20 and 19. So if they have all that to fix and they're already this good, imagine how good they can be two, three, four years down the road. Um, and then obviously right. Cleveland, they're going to destroy the East come playoff time. Uh, when Kyrie yes. Irving gets fully healthy and this offense really gels and has, I, I don't know, 20 games under its belt together again, because that's about what it took last year. Well, it, t- it took a little bit more than that, but all of them together, it took them about 30, 30 games. They're about five, ten games in. So, that yeah, 20 more games, and this team is going to take off just like they did last year, except for yeah. playoff time, plan on all of them being healthy and all of them being there, and then watch out, NBA. Here's what's scary about Cleveland, and I mentioned this in the preseason. I even said this, and it's starting to become to – it's coming to fruition. This team coming into this portion of the season a year ago was about was 20 and 19, 21 and 19, 21 and 20. And 
They're 27 and 10 heading into the second half. Now I understand it's 37 games. You know, they could, they could, you never know. They could lose three in a row. I don't think that'll happen, but it could, you never know. Um, that won't happen. I think this team will be 30 and 10 around their halfway mark. And they're already there. Think about this. They're already 10 games better than they were last year at this point. And they they had to tread more waters this year than they did last year. Last year was a chemistry thing. This year was an, if Kyrie Irving out the first two months of the season, uh, obviously some other guys had some, had some other issues, health issues going on. Um, some other things were happening. The, the personnel problems were, were occurring. Now they're clicking. And I know they lost last night, but they're clicking now. And, again, they're so far ahead, everybody, and, and the records are not – they're just not conducive to really how much better they are. And 27-10 and and 10 is more – it more looks like a 47-10. and 10. It really does. It looks like 47-10 and 10 to everybody else, even though it's only two games back in the win column. They're that much better. Um, in the Atlantic Division, Boston, we really hit that team right on the head. They're a good team, solid team, no superstar. That's what they are. And they show every signs of being great. They can – oh, my gosh. You talk about a team – that, it's like Microsoft without Bill Gates. They're an outstanding business. They don't have a leader. They're amazing, but they, can't, they cannot finish ball games because they don't have a go-to guy. They don't. Now, Isaiah Thomas, in my opinion, is an all-star. But he's not a go-to guy that's going to win you ball games late, late in the season in the playoffs. It's not going to happen. It won't. It will not happen. You put the best defender on him, he's going to get shut down. This team is good, but they're not great. That's, that's what we talked about in the offseason. That's what they are. Toronto? outstanding team they're clearly going to win I think they're clearly going to win this division but they still have questions to answer on that bench their their starting rotation has been awesome but their bench they've won four in a row but can that bench hold it together come into the second half of the season they're 25 and 15 second best team in the eastern conference it doesn't really mean much because pretty much like you said from the two seed on to the seven seed is really is really three and a half games it's not a big difference but can they hold it together, that bench? And if they can, who knows? Maybe they can go on a run and get into the Eastern Conference Finals. That would be a huge, huge step for Toronto if they did that. A giant step if they got to the Eastern Conference Finals. Um, and it can happen. It can if, they, if their bench holds it together. Um, the Knicks, again, they're shocking us. They are. This is, the, this is the most – this team has shocked us the most this season. And even though they're two games out of a – or a game out of a potential playoff spot behind Orlando and Boston, uh, that's that's crazy enough. I, I I thought they would be right where the Milwaukee Bucks are at 16 and 25. Now again, the Bucks are only are only four games, five games out of a playoff spot themselves, but they got to jump a lot of teams. But the Knicks are right there in contention. People were saying the Knicks could be a playoff team before the year. Clearly, they knew something we didn't because we were watching this team last year and going into the off season, we're thinking, what the heck are they doing? Well, clearly they got some form of a system to play well, but. There will be a target on their back coming into the second half of the year and going later into the season if they get better because they're better. I think really a lot of teams played them kind of, you know, oh, we're going to New York, it's going to be easy, blah, blah. Then this guy named Chris Dapsrozingis decides to just go whammy on them and destroy them like he's been doing, which he's a, he's a potential rookie of the year candidate um, with the way he's been playing. And Melo's been healthy. So there's a lot of factors that have helped New York, but they've clearly shocked us all with how they've been playing. Again, Brooklyn, yikes, terrible. We thought this would happen. It's happening. Philadelphia, they got Ish Smith outside of that. Moving on from them. They're still bad. Um, Central Division. I'm going to go as far as to say the Southwest Division was the best division in basketball last season. The Central Division is the best division in basketball now. Reason being, you got Cleveland, Chicago, Indiana, Detroit, 
all formidable Eastern Conference teams that can compete at a high level in the Eastern Conference. And honestly, and this sounds crazy, but all four of those teams could, could potentially finish in the top, the top four in the Eastern Conference by the end of the season. It really could happen. Detroit has the best center in the East. Indiana has Paul George, and that guy, if he plays well, that, that guy can take them as far as anybody. And obviously Chicago, they are, the, the Chicago I feel like is going to fall off in the second half. But for all we know, they could tread water, play well, play okay, and get the fourth seed. That could happen. And, 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 and for all we know, Indiana could get better and Detroit could get better, and all four of those teams could finish at the top in the East. That could happen. Right now, Detroit at seven, Indiana at five, Chicago at three, and they're all separated by a couple games, really. And, and that could happen. And Milwaukee would be the lone team out. But outside of that, that's really what the Central Division looks like. Clearly, Cleveland's the best team in the East. That's clear as day. Chicago, like I said, they are really who we thought they were. There's a lot more time to play, but I've been seeing signs of them falling off. Jimmy Butler, honestly, Jimmy Butler is going to be in the MVP conversation if this team gets to a second spot. He will be in the conversation. He will not win it, but he will be in the conversation. That is how big of a leap this guy has taken. Look at what he did last night. 53 points. 10 rebounds and six assists, a 78 on the white ball worthy performance deal. That is near legendary status. That is a crazy game, crazy game. And the guy is carrying this team and needing, the team needs everything of that to compete. The Bulls kind of remind me, and this is really a crazy comparison because it's very similar, but the Bulls remind me a lot of what Oklahoma City went through last year. Again, not injuries, not that, but more from the age perspective and the and the and I guess the caring perspective. Joe Kim Noah is a free agent next year. You can see as clear as day he doesn't care. He wants he doesn't want to be there anymore. Derrick Rose's is, injuries have I feel like have gotten the best of him from time to time. He plays a good game, but on the whole, he is an average pedestrian at best. Paul Gasol has a shine from time to time, but he ain't anything special. He's still an all star, but he's nothing crazy good. Jimmy Butler is the lone bright star on that team, and he has to carry that team to win ball games. And a lot like what Russell Westbrook did last year for Oklahoma City, Jimmy Butler has to do for the Bulls at this point. And that's really what it looks like. And if that's going to be the case, they can win in the East and do okay, but they're not going to go anywhere far at all with that, with that, uh, with that formula. It's just not going to work that well. But the Bulls, again, they are who we thought they were. Indiana, I was right. Shoving it in everybody's face. I was right. They're 22 and 17. They're playing unbelievable basketball considering where they were a year ago. They're a great team. They're not great, but they're a good team in the Eastern Conference, and they're competing at a high level. It's awesome to see them do that. Detroit, team has taken a huge step. And again, uh, they have a big two right now Reggie Jackson and Andre Drummond playing outstanding. The problem is, is at the bottom part of the Eastern Conference, which is what they have fit into right now with Celtics, Orlando, and the Pistons, that's going to be rotating all year long. And maybe the Wizards take a place in there from time to time. Maybe the Knicks do. But that's a, that's a, real, that's a real carousel of teams right there at the bottom part. And if the Pistons can find a way to get into the playoffs, you're talking about a team that if they get some postseason experience and play well, they could go far. They could beat a, they could beat a Raptors team right now. They can beat a Bulls team right now in seven. They can beat a Hawks team in seven. They can do that. They have the talent to do it. It just comes down to then adjustments in the postseason and seeing how the game is played differently in the postseason. And once they adjust to that, this will be a scary team for years to come. In the Southeast Division in the Eastern Conference, Atlanta, they remind me a lot of the San Antonio Spurs from the standpoint of in the regular season. This team is not good. They don't have an all-star on that team right now. Uh, a guy in uh, – a, a guy, their, their, their point guard, I am blanking on his name right now, uh, Teague, if I'm not mistaken, uh, they, they, are, they, they have a bunch of guys who last year were all-stars because they were hot, 
uh, Quad Corver is not an all-star career-wise. He's just a great shooter. Paul, Paul Millsap is a fringe all-star. Uh, they got they got guys on that team that are really Al Horford's a fringe All Star, but they're not. So they're kind of a they're a team that plays well together. But when it comes postseason time, they're gonna they're gonna fizzle because they just don't have really a go to guy. And Damari Carroll has proven not to be a major impact. He's been hurt for a while now for Toronto, and they're still his two seed. Atlanta's a four seed. They've fallen off. They're not number one anymore. But no one's gonna go thirty four and two from Thanksgiving to, to Super Bowl Sunday. Again, that's just not going to happen, and that's what Atlanta did last year with the talent team that they had. So last year was a little bit of a fluke as we saw from Atlanta, but they're still playing outstanding. Uh, Miami, Dwayne Wade looks revamped. Dwayne Wade looks like a brand-new player. He looks like a guy from five years ago when the Heat first started their quadru- their, 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 uh, their triplets with Chris Bosh and LeBron James. He looks like that Dwayne Wade all over again. He looks outstanding right now playing for that team. He's still hurt, clearly. It's a it's a different team. They're not a championship contending team, but they're contending in the East, and I think that's where they want to be right now, just to get into the postseason. Charlotte, they've got injuries all over the board. Al Jefferson's out really for most of the year, if not the whole year. They're a sparky team. From time to time, they go on quick little two game win streaks, um, and then they kind of fall off. They still lack an identity. There's questions that aren't fulfilled yet. Uh, they're kind of like the Nets last year. They're just a team with pieces. They're not. They don't really have a bunch of guys that are going to get you going and stuff like I just feel like the Charlotte Hornets are just going to finish off around 33, 30 wins. They just, they feel like a team that does not have the character to really combine and connect. Like I thought they would coming into this year and at least be a 35, 40 win team. They're not that they're not going to, it's not going to happen. Um, And again, like we mentioned earlier, Orlando is a scary, scary team. And if they can just find a way to slip into the postseason, they can just do that. That will be a huge win for this team because this team is young and they're finding ways to win at a young spot, give them a couple more years, and they're just going to be really terrifying. And then the last team in that division and in the Eastern Conference is Washington. They really have been hampered by injuries on top of the fact that they're just inconsistent. I think John Wall is looking looking for a way out in some degree. I don't know if they really want to have that. I mean, Kevin Durant has not been even in, in, a, in a discussion this season, as we thought it would, for him to join that team. He might even just stay in Oklahoma City for all we know. Washington at 18 and 19, they They look like they can get into the postseason, but from what I've seen, I don't believe it, and I don't think it's going to happen. And I forgot to mention the Milwaukee Bucks, as as Andrew mentioned it. uh, Coming into this season, I had high hopes for them, but clearly Jason Kidd was one of the coaches of the year last year for a reason. He he rode the ship and got them going. This year is just not the case. Anything more about the Eastern Conference you want to mention, Andrew, before we move on to the Western Conference? Yeah, I love the parody. I love it, Uh, and I hope it keeps up this year. And for years to come, I mean, it's just awesome. Chris, you there? All right. Well, I believe we lost Chris. But what we were going to do, unless I'm going crazy, maybe my phone is messing up. It did a few seconds ago. I apologize about the technical difficulties. Hold on. Apologize about the technical difficulties. Okay, sorry. All right. So what we're going to move on to with the West, I'll do that while, while you know, he's out. Uh, obviously, your one seat, Golden State. They have been there off to the best start in the history of the NBA, uh, tied with the, the 72-win Bulls. Um, and then you look behind them, and San Antonio is right there at 35-6. and six. I don't think people appreciate how amazing 35 and 6 is. 
because because what the Warriors are doing, really. I mean, it, it's it's one of the best starts in NBA history. They're all 95,000 years old, and they just keep doing it. And, and obviously the biggest part is Kawhi Leonard. It's not Tim Duncan. It's not Manu Ginobili. It's not Tony Parker. It, it's Kawhi Leonard. And I don't yes. think anybody... Even even comes close, Chris. I heard you talk, so you're back. Okay, there we go. I heard you. I, I was I was listening to your take on the Spurs, and I was agreeing. I, I I just got back on about a second ago. I heard you talk about Kawhi Leonard. I thought it was outstanding. Yeah, uh, I assume you were talking about the Warriors and Spurs and how they've started this season. Yep. I feel I feel like uh, this this Western Conference, and we were going to get into the Western Conference anyway. I feel like this Western Conference is really a two team race. It's, it's not, it's, it's nothing any more than that. It's the, I, I mentioned, I've mentioned it multiple times over the last couple of weeks in the NBA. This has kind of turned into like, this has been split up into three separate realms. Golden state and San Antonio are the A teams, San Antonio and golden state. They could flip flop. It wouldn't matter. They're still great. Both of them, uh, Oklahoma city, Los Angeles Clippers, both teams about, about seven games back of both those teams, but they're still the top. They're still in the top four. They're still the top four teams in the Western Conference. And then you got Dallas, Memphis, and Houston's kind of hovering around where Dallas and Memphis are now. And those are kind of the C teams. You know, those are the teams that are behind those other teams who don't who won't have a chance against teams like Golden State and San Antonio. But they can compete. You know, they can they can do something. They can get into the postseason. But then you got teams like Dallas and Memphis. They're not going to be able to compete with Oklahoma City and Los Angeles Clippers in the first round. It's not going to happen. It won't happen. Um, what I'm really excited for in the Western Conference here over the next second half of the season is I think this is how it's going to stay. It could flip-flop. San Antonio could take the first seed. Golden State would be the second. That's going to be the real battle in the Western Conference. But I'm more excited for when we get to if the playoffs stay the way they look in the top four with the Clippers and Oklahoma City. Who cares if they flip-flop? But if, it, if we get to the second round of the Western Conference and it's Oklahoma City versus San Antonio, Oklahoma City versus Golden State, Clippers versus – you know, one of those type of matches where the Clippers play one of those two teams, that's where we're – I am way more than beyond ecstatic to see that in May this year because that is going to be – those are going to be the series that really dictate who comes out of the West because that's where the West will be won is the second round of the postseason. It will because – Coming to, obviously, the Western Conference Finals, clearly. But when it comes to who's the better team, that second round will dictate what, if Oklahoma City can, can distance themselves from one of these two teams, if the Clippers can distance themselves, which I think they can, because they've won 10 in a row like the Spurs have, but I think the Clippers can do that as well. I think that'll be the case in the Western Conference. I'll break down the Western Conference on my own, but let's get to awards. Andrew's got to get out of here and get back to work. Andrew, I want you to give me your, your, your most improved – Sixth man, MVP, coach of the year, rookie of the year, defensive player of the year, uh, any other awards I'm missing, go for it, man. All right. I think most of these we're going to agree on. It's yeah. the weirdest thing. A lot, of, like, a lot of these, they're pretty obvious this year. Uh, my yeah. most improved player, C.J. McCollum. It's not close. Absolutely. I mean, he, the guys jumped from like six points a game to 21 points a game. That's one of the craziest leaps I've ever seen. Ever. Yeah. And I think he's been this good the whole time. I just don't think he had the opportunity. Um, yeah. So, so he's, he's outstanding. Sixth man of the year, again, I think it's obvious, Will Barton. The guy has yes. the guy's the best player on the team. Um, he, he, maybe Gallinari, but really Will Barton is the best player on that team. And he's just, I mean, he 
he he wins them games. Like they are they're sixteen wins or something like that, and and those come from him. Like he steps in, he's a spark plug, he's a microwave, he gets hot, you know, and he scores. His three point percentage has jumped up fourteen percent. If CJ McCollum yes. has any improve or any competition for most improved, it's him. It really is. Yeah. Um, yeah. My defensive player of the year again. I think it's pretty obvious. If you go, I guess there's two guys you can pick, but I'm going Kawhi Leonard. I've never seen anybody yeah. like him on the defensive end. And I was talking about how he didn't shut down LeBron. He slowed him down. Well, guess what? There's one maybe one guy in the league who can even slow him down. It, it takes him slowing himself down. You know, just missing shots, things like that. Kawhi Leonard is the only guy in the league who can even slow him down. My coach of the year, um, and I, I got I got two choices here, um, and one I'm going to be called a homer, so that just gave it away. And, and the yep. other one I, I think is also a very good choice in Scott Skiles. Um, I think Scott yeah. Skiles, what he's done with these Orlando Magic has been terrific, but same can be said for Stan Van Gundy. Like I said, yeah. five and twenty-three now, twenty-one and eight. I mean, he's, he's tremendous. Uh, don't don't give up on Frank Vogel. He's been he's been great, but really, coach of the year is always given out to the coach who does the most with the least. So I mean, Derek Fisher is going to be in the conversation. As much yeah. as you just see him staring at his face, he's got to be in the conversation. Um, yeah. Rick Carlisle. I mean, Dallas is the five seed. They're, they they don't have that great of a roster, and they're the five seed. No. Uh, let's yeah. see. What am I missing? I did I, I did my sixth man, my defense player of the year, coach of the year. Rookie of the year. Uh, rookie of the year. Rookie of the year. Again, obvious. Carl Anthony Towns. The only competition right now is Kristaps Porzingis, but Carl Anthony yeah. Towns has been a French all-star this year. I mean, he's been tremendous. Yeah. He put up 30 and 15 twice, I think. I mean, he's been – he, I, I'd say his ceiling's probably higher than Andrew Wiggins, and you know he wasn't even close to as highly touted as, as Andrew Wiggins was coming out. Um, and then yeah. I guess final would be uh, my MVP. Um, yeah, and I, eh, I'm conflicted. I want to say Steph Curry, but LeBron James, the most valuable player in the National Basketball Association. Bar none. This team is nothing without yeah. him. Watch last yeah. night. Look at the plus-minus numbers. See how bad this team gets when he goes off the court. Look at last year in the finals. His team made two baskets while he didn't play. Six minutes total. But JR, there's five players on that team that were 0 for 60-something while LeBron James was not in the game, or 0 for 30-something maybe. This guy is the most valuable player in the history of the National Basketball Association. He's the MVP this year. Yep. All right, I'll give you my awards before you get out of here, Andrew. I want to first half. The first half MVP of the league is Draymond Green. The first half of the that, that guy. That guy. First half. First half is the MVP. Now for the season, as I as I as I project out, it's LeBron. I agree. I 100% agree from the standpoint of look. Without him, this team is 20 wins. I'm telling you, they're a 20, 25 win ball club without him. That's how great he's been. But for the first half, for the, for the, yeah, exactly. For the most part, though, the first half, as great as Steph Curry is and how much everyone's a fanboy of him, look, Draymond Green, this guy has eight triple doubles in the first half of the season. That means he's on pace for 
16 this year. That's an insane amount of triple doubles for one season if it were to happen. It won't happen, but that's an amazing thing. And, and for Draymond Green to do that, it, it, it just says a lot about where he's at. Rookie of the year, I like Carl Anthony Towns, but let's be honest, the Minnesota Timberwolves do not have a chance of getting to the postseason this year. If the Knicks get to the postseason, that's if. If the Knicks get to the postseason, it will be Kristaps Porzingis. It will. It will have to be him. The media will be all over it. If he's not, they will go crazy. But if they don't make the postseason, I agree with you, Carl Anthony Towns. Sixth man of the year, I 100% agree. Will Barton, you can't really choose anybody else. Um, for a while there, it was Corey Joseph in the first month of the season because every time he came off the bench, he was more than elite. He played – he helped that Toronto team in the first month of the season so much. It was, it was out of control how good he was off the bench. But then Will Barton over the last two months has been out of this world good. Um, basically since the middle of November, he's been unbelievable. Um, and then I agree with you, most improved, C.J. McCollum, absolutely. He be, he's becoming a legit budding, budding superstar at the shooting guard position more than I thought we would think possible. I said MVP. I said, I said my defensive player of the year, and this is not because I think he's MVP of the first half, but I think this is true. Draymond Green has been an unbelievable defender at the power forward and small forward position. Has he been the best? Maybe not. But when it comes to guarding both positions, he can guard the power forward as well as he can guard the small forward, which is still at an elite level. And that guy is really, I'm telling you, that guy has got to win some form of an award this year because he has just been that, he has been that impactful on this team. And without him, I'm telling you, I think the Warriors are a middle-of-the-pack Western Conference team. I think they're more around where the, uh, where the Oklahoma City Thunder are or where the, uh, or maybe even the Dallas Mavericks are, or the LA Clippers. They're around that. They're not, they're not at where they're at right now without Draymond Green. He has been that impressive and that important to this team more than I think people understand. And that's why I would put him at at least defensive player of the year as of right now. But that could change, as we know, for time to come. Coach of the year, Luke Walton. I don't care if he doesn't get any of the records. Luke Walton needs to be coach of the year with a 0-0 record. And it needs to go in the history books. Is This was a guy who covered for Steve Kerr pretty much the first half of the season. And he's the guy who realistically led this team to that 37-3 and record. Andrew, we're out of here. Uh, you're you're out of here. I'm not. But uh, have a good day at work, buddy, and I'll recap the Western Conference. Listen to it later, man. I'll try my best, and as I say every time, peace. All right, Andrew. Have a fantastic day at work. We're going to just recap the Western Conference for you real quick, and then we're going we're gonna to preview tonight's games, and we'll get out of here. It's been a long show already, and we're going to get everything ready for you right now. Okay, so – in the Western Conference, we were talking about it before I let Andrew go, and we talked about our awards because clearly you've heard our awards now. Um, but in the Western Conference, uh, I want to talk about the Pacific Division real quick. Clearly, it's all Golden State Warriors. It's really no one else. The Clippers got off, and, and, and it's been Golden State the first half. 37-3 and three is legendary. It is the greatest first half we've ever seen in NBA history. I don't think we'll ever see another first half like it ever, ever. It is. It's, it's, it's been their first half, and it always will be their first half for what I'm concerned. The Clippers – they got off to an unbelievably slow start. They looked awful in the first month, month and a half of the season. But this last month and a half, they've looked outstanding. They've won 10 in a row. They have played really inspiring basketball over this last month and a half. And I think if they start turning the corner here with DeAndre Jordan getting healthy and uh, Blake Griffin getting healthy, this could be the team to beat in the West. And I said that from the beginning of the season, picking them to win the NBA Finals. This could be the time where they start peaking. And if they peak now and they get into May – hopefully they get into April and then get into May, that's where you'll start to see 
the separation from them over everybody else. And hopefully that's the case. The, Clip, the Lakers, they're still a mess, but they're getting brighter. Hopefully if they get some free agents in the offseason, maybe they get Ben Simmons, who knows. Once Kobe's gone, they're going to be fine. And I know that's hard to say, but seriously, once Kobe's gone, they're going to be fine. Sacramento is an experiment that is still bubbling. They're hovering around the playoffs. It's all to be determined coming up to second half. They're only a game out. They have a chance. With that talent, they could get in. And if they do, I'm telling you, look out. Sacramento could upset some teams. Who knows? They could really put some fear in the Golden State Warriors. Um, the Phoenix Suns, injuries. That's really what has decided this season. Brandon Knight's been out for a little bit, and Eric Bledsoe's out for the rest of the season. Their season's been hampered by injuries pretty much for the last month. And it's, it's unfortunate because Eric Bledsoe was an outstanding outstanding guard so far he had an all-star type year up until he got hurt and then obviously Brandon Knight's been outstanding but now it's really just Brandon Knight and everybody else um it's sad it's really sad to see the Sun season end the way it has so they're going to go into the offseason trying to figure out what to do and what to fix uh the Southwest Division it's not as good as it was last year I I will say and and mostly it's because of the way that um that uh the New Orleans Pelicans started look I was telling people before the season look Monty Williams out is the reason why this team, Monty Williams being out is the reason why this team did not do as good as they did on top of the injuries, on top of the fact that there's just a lot of things going on, a lot of speculation, things this team may change, this team may, a lot of things are going to fix, are going to be fixed coming up this off season. And a lot of, they, they might be in, in the, in the market to bargain for, for this trade deadline coming up here in the next month. Um, it, it's one of those circumstances where, they may rebuild completely after this year. And that may, they may just rebuild around Anthony Davis again. Um, they already have talent, but what's to say they can't get better, younger talent for, for the future. And that might be hard for Anthony Davis, to be honest with you, uh, considering he's kind of just about to enter his prime here in the next couple of years. And uh, they're nowhere near competing. They're not a good team this year, people. The, 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 the New Orleans Pelicans were projected to be a potential playoff team. They're nowhere near that right now. And with the loss of Monty Williams, at the, as I said, that loss of that coach might have been bigger than we all, and it might have been more obvious than we said. The Spurs, they're the best team in the NBA, in my opinion. And it's not because they're my favorite team. They're, they're, they're the favorites to win the NBA title now. I, I think coming into this second half, they're the team to beat in the Western Conference. And it's not because of last night. It's not because they've won 10 in a row. It's because they've played consistent. They've played a brand where a brand of basketball where, honestly, there have been nights where I thought that they wouldn't compete, and they win by 20. It, this is a team where they're now so deep and so good and so inspired to win another title that I, I really don't see what's going to stop them. I think they're going to win the title now. It wouldn't, be shocked. it wouldn't shock me if they just completely annihilated teams going into the Western Conference, and they were the ones that swept through the Western Conference. They are playing just – outstanding basketball Houston I'm not a believer in you I'm not a believer in the Houston Rockets I've been I've I've been a non-believer since the beginning of December uh but they are starting to come back to life they've won five games in a row they're now 21 and 20 they're above 500 starting the second half of the season or 21 and 19 excuse me and they've won five in a row uh they're starting to put together some games here and there where they're looking like more and more formidable if they can find a way to sneak above Memphis and Dallas heading into the first round of the, you know, heading into that first round of the postseason, because I don't think they're going to catch the Clippers or Oklahoma City or the Spurs or Golden State, but if they can find a way to sneak into that fifth seed by the time the playoffs start, who knows? They could play the Clippers and they could play them tough. And depending upon where they're at health-wise and, and chemistry-wise and where the coach is at and where that team could be, because they're kind of a sloppy mess there in Houston, who's to say they can't, they can't upset the Clippers and get into the next round and play a team like Golden State or San Antonio? Who knows? Who, who knows? I, 
I, I just don't believe in what they can do. We had them as highly touted favorites to go deep in the playoffs this year, and this year it's more looking like, can they get out of the first round? That's kind of what it's looking like at this point. And if they can get to that fifth spot, it's a potential. But right now, yeah, I, I still, it's all to be determined. And the real question is, is Ty Lawson a curse? Think about this. The Denver Nuggets last year were the real the one two three Cancun, the terrible team of the, of the Western Conference, the team that quit on their coach Brian Shaw, which is a joke. Now Houston has Ty Lawson, and I'm not saying Ty Lawson's the same cat as he was in as he was in Denver, but he's not the same cat that he was in Denver. If you know what I'm saying, and he might be a little bit of a curse on this team, and could he be the curse of the NBA? Who knows? This this Houston team is more talented than we thought. And they're, they're playing like garbage, just flat-out garbage. They're, they're under, under – uh, think about this. The New York Knicks are 20-21, and 21, and they have less talent on this, on this Houston Rockets team than that. And the Houston Rockets only have one more win. It's, it just goes to show you the effort that's being put forth by the Houston Rockets team is just lackluster, and it's just, it's just not impressive. It's, it's kind of a joke, to be honest with you. Um, the Memphis Grizzlies, they, 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 I think the NBA is passing them up. I think they're a good team still. Clearly, they're, they're a playoff team, in my opinion. They're going to get into the postseason. I think they'll make it. Um, but the problem is, is, when it comes to longevity of this team and what they have, I don't see them being a contender in the, in the NBA uh, for much longer. I feel like the NBA is going to pass them up here shortly unless they get younger and they get better and they get a go-to guy because they're still a go-to guy away. There's still a couple of bench players away from really competing in the Western Conference and in the NBA in general. Um, they're a good team. They can, they're tough at home. But, I mean, outside of that, it's kind of an average – they're kind of an average squad at this point. And so, um, for the Memphis Grizzlies, I really hope for the best for them. But 22-19 and 19 at this point, that's kind of what we expected coming in, an average ball club, a little above average ball club at this point. And they're, they're not playing a level of basketball where I thought, man, they're, they're, they're the Memphis Grizzlies. They're dominating. They're having – no one's having a career year on that team. In fact, everyone's kind of dropped off. Uh, Marcus Gasol is not a top five center in my opinion right now. He's not. There's five centers I can list off right now that are better than him. And I know Anthony Davis might not be a center, but Anthony Davis, DeMarcus Cousins, Andre Drummond, Rudy Gobert when healthy is better than is better than Marcus Gasol. Uh, you got Serge Ibaka who's not even a center playing better than him. You got guys out in Cleveland playing better. You got guys like Joe, uh, Joe Kim Noah. You got. You got a lot of things. Uh, Al Horford is up there better than him. There's some guys out there who are playing better basketball. Nikola Vucevic, there's guys out there playing better basketball than Marcus Gasol right now because he's playing horrible. He's only averaging like eight rebounds a game, if that. I mean, that's not good for a guy who's seven feet tall. He has clearly dropped off from being the number one center in the league last year to now being not even maybe a top five center in the league. So um, Memphis is – they're going to need to go – they're going to need to go shopping this offseason to get a major free agent to really find themselves being back in the conversation of formidable in the Western Conference. And Dallas, I'm telling you, they're working it. They're working it, Dallas. 22-18 and 18 at the 40-game mark. They're working it. I'm telling you, Rick Carlisle is, is great. He is a great coach in this league, and he's proving it through this team. This is, team is still a project. The second half, we'll see what happens. We'll see where they end up and where they ultimately land by the end of the season. But I'm telling you, where they're at right now, they're, they're blowing me away. I did not think they would be this good. I thought they'd be a playoff team, but I didn't think they'd be the fifth seed and hovering right around the middle pack of the Western Conference. I thought they'd be kind of where the Utah Jazz are right now, like 17 and 22, just kind of scrumming for wins. They're, they're, they're formidable. They're good. And Dirk is still not falling away. He's, he's being battling father time pretty good there. And uh, I just the Dallas Mavericks, they're, they're kind of one of those teams that have shocked me. Yeah, they've lost two in a row the last couple of games, but 
they're still playing pretty good basketball, and hopefully they keep it that way because again, they've been playing pretty they've been playing pretty inspired as of late. Now Zaza Pachulia has actually has been absolutely outstanding for the Dallas Mavericks. I'm telling you, Zaza has been a near mediocre to fringe All Star uh, for the Dallas Mavericks, and that's really where a lot of their victories have come is from him rebounding the basketball. It's been it's been a joy to watch them during the season. In the Northwest Division, the final division in the Western Conference, Denver. They're rebuilding, and they're looking great doing it. Will Barton, sixth man of the year, in my opinion, definitely in the first half. They're looking fantastic. Clearly, they got pieces that are growing and getting better, and in the infancy stages, and Kenneth Farid is still getting better. They're, they're a team that's just going to get better. I, I don't think they're going to make the postseason or even sniff it, but they're, they're looking good rebuilding. Portland, for what they have, they're a game out of a playoff spot. Think about this, people. Portland lost four of their five starters last year, and they're contending for a playoff spot. How crazy is that? How good does that make Damian Lillard look? Damian Lillard looks like one of the best players in the NBA for what he's doing with this Portland team. And then C.J. McCollum being one of the more bright spots in the NBA, he's going to be more most improved players in the NBA. He's, he, in my opinion, is a top 10 shooting guard, if not top five. He's looking outstanding, C.J. McCollum is. He has had some games this year where he has just gone off and played all-star level basketball uh, it has been it's been a, it's been really interesting to see this Portland Trailblazer team play with the lack of you know superstars that they had the last couple of years, last five years, and to see them still competing and contending, it's 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 kind of a joy. It's kind of it's kind of refreshing because they're they're not talented. This team is not talented outside of Damian Lillard and and and, uh, and CJ McCollum. It it drops off drastically talent wise because they are not good. They aren't, but they're still playing well enough to get into the postseason, well enough to to contend for a postseason spot. That is impressive, and that is an impressive thing to see from the Portland Trailblazers still, even though they're a terrible team. Uh, Utah, I think they were more hyped than Bite coming into this season. I think they were more hyped to be good than not. They're in the postseasons right. They're in the postseason battle right now in the, at the halfway mark, but still, I mean, 17 and 22 is not what we expected them to be. Granted, injuries have not helped with Rudy Gobert, but over this last month, they have really taken a tumble, and I hope they can find a way to sneak into the postseason because that's where I thought they'd be, but I honestly thought they'd take a little bit better of a step at this point. They still have the second half to go, and hopefully they can improve. And there have been players who have made some serious leaps in the first half, and hopefully they can extend that throughout the year. But it looks like to me they've kind of hit a wall at this point. And hopefully they can get past that wall and and just keep playing well. But they're not looking good right now. And uh, hopefully going into the second half they can improve that. And going into next year they can learn from this experience and just improve better. But they have the talent, and they've proven that they have the opportunity to get better throughout this year and play well. Um, I'll be shocked if they win 40 games at this point because it's 17 and 22. It, it looks more and more like they're going to finish. I'm telling you, it looks more and more like they're going to finish like 35 and 40 and 46 at this or 47 at this point because they just they just look like they're kind of hampering and struggling real hard as of late. Um, but hopefully they can improve and get better because I'm telling you, they got the talent to do it. I just think they've been hampered by some other things there in Utah. Minnesota rebuilding again. They still got to turn that corner of being successful. They're 12 and 28. They're not good for a reason. Um, I mean, they're not good because they're young. They are inexperienced. Um, Hopefully they can get better. They've lost eight in a row. I mean, they have not looked good this last month. Um, They're playing pretty bad basketball as of late. Um, They've won nine of their last 10. They're again, they're a young team. They're going to learn things. They're going to see things. This team, again, reminds me of where Oklahoma City was in their infancy stages back in like 08, 09, when they were still not winning games, but they had a lot of talent. That's kind of what Minnesota reminds me of, and that's kind of where they're at right now. 
in their franchise. And again, they're budding. They're a budding team, but they're not quite there yet. And Oklahoma City, as I mentioned, that team, they're a top four team in the West by far. Most, most definitely a top four team. They're going to hover right there behind San Antonio and Golden State, I think, for the rest of the season. If not, maybe get passed up by the Clippers. But that's really the only team they got to worry about is the Clippers. Everyone else below them, they're, they're better than them. They are. And they're going to have a home. They're going to have home court in the first round. Maybe not in the second round, but in the first round, they'll have home court. They're 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 a good team. They're a very good team. Kevin Durant is locked and loaded right now this year. He is he is clearly motivated to try and win a title this year. Uh, Russell Westbrook is not an MVP candidate, but I'm telling you, in my opinion, he's been the best point guard in the NBA. He has he has been the best point guard in the NBA. Uh, he's been the best guard in the NBA. Uh, and it's and it's all done so quietly because everyone's focusing on everything else and what's going on. They're playing great basketball out there in Oklahoma City, and I, and I think they're going to get better as time goes on. And if they do, I'm telling you, that Western Conference from Golden State, San Antonio, Oklahoma City, and the Clippers, that is a loaded top four in the Western Conference. And seriously, all four of those teams can still win the title if they play their best basketball coming up here in the second half. But as of right now, at the halfway point, it really only looks like a three-team race in Cleveland, Golden State, and San Antonio. So that's really your first half recap of the NBA here on the Hoopers vlog. Again, a very, very long, drawn-out episode. And I apologize for the technical difficulties earlier, but that's really what's been going on here in the NBA in the first half. Tonight, in the world of basketball and over the weekend, we got a big-time weekend coming up for you here in the NBA. The halfway portion of the show is over. We start the second half starting after this weekend. The NBA is locked and loaded for a lot of games tonight. There's some games on ESPN tonight. We got... A couple of games on ESPN, uh, Timberwolves at Thunder. Funny I mentioned the Timberwolves, a lot like the Thunder. Well, they go and play the Thunder in Oklahoma City tonight. That should be a fun one. Russell Westbrook, Carl Anthony Towns in that one. Obviously, Kevin Durant as well, uh, and all the other young guys in Minnesota. And then you got Cleveland in Houston. That'll be a fun one, but I think Cleveland is going to dominate over the Houston Rockets. So even though the Rockets have won five in a row, I think Cleveland's going to bounce back and get a victory over the Rockets. Other games of note tonight. This weekend, there are 22 games in the NBA. 22 games. 22 games in the NBA this weekend. It should be a fun one. Obviously, there's, there's, there's NFL football going on with the divisional playoffs. There's a lot going on in the world of basketball this weekend. It's going to be a fun one. It's going to be a good time. There's also some college games that I want to get to here in a second, but tonight's games, I'll just get through them real quick. Um, Suns and Celtics is again tonight. I think the Celtics win that one easily. They're favored by 9.5. Take the 9.5. They'll get it done. Thunder are favored by 13.5 over the, over the Timberwolves. Take that. They're going to dominate. Pacers are favored by the Wizards uh, by 7. Take that. They're going to win. Timberwolves and, and Nets, I think the Nets bounce back and get a victory in this one. I just have a weird feeling Book Lopez is going to overmatch those young guys in Portland. They're going to get done there. There's nine games in the NBA tonight. Mavericks also play the Bulls. That's one of the games to watch as well. Jimmy Butler might be a little exhausted. I would take the Mavericks in the minus one and a half. I think the Mavericks will find a way to bounce back and beat the Bulls after the Bulls had a really tough game last night against the 76ers. Hornets and Pelicans. Pelicans are favored by two and a half. Take the, take the Hornets in that one. Take the plus two and a half for the Hornets. They should get the victory there. Hawks and Bucks. Hawks are favored by four. Take the Hawks. They'll get the victory there. They'll win over the Bucks. The Bucks have still been struggling. Heat and Nuggets. Heat are favored by three. Take the Heat. They're a better team. Three points. That's nothing. They're going to get that victory. They're going to win big. And again, like I said, Cavaliers and Rockets. Rockets are favored by a point. Take the Cavs. Cavs are going to win that one. They're going to win the victory in that one. Other games of note in the NBA over the over the weekend. Uh, obviously, I know everyone will be watching basketball, but or excuse me, they'll be watching uh, football in the world of the NFL. Uh, but Warriors and Pistons is definitely a game to tune into if you're getting bored of the bat of getting bored of the football. Uh, Knicks and Grizzlies is another interesting game to watch. Kings and Clippers always is Demarcus Cousins and uh, th- those big guys in LA get, get get it going. 
On Sunday, there's only five games in the NBA. Heat and Thunder is always a fun one, clearly rematch of the 2011 or 2012 uh, NBA Finals. Uh, the Suns, Timberwolves, eh, that's all right. Pacers, no. yeah, I guess there's not. I guess it's the only game to really watch on uh, on 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 Sunday. There is Heat and Thunder get it going in Oklahoma City. In the world of NCAA basketball, there's no ranked games tonight on a Friday, but on a Saturday, all ranked teams pretty much are playing on Saturday. And when it comes to ranked games, teams that are ranked playing each other, West Virginia at Oklahoma, big time game, a rematch there. Uh, or not a rematch, sorry, West Virginia beat Kansas. That's who they beat. But West Virginia playing in Oklahoma on ESPN2. Two teams, one of them 15-1 West Virginia, 14-1 Oklahoma. That game will be played at 4 p.m. Eastern, 1 p.m. Pacific on ESPN or ESPN2. Then you got, then you got that's the only game on, on Saturday that has, a rank, that has two ranked opponents playing. On Sunday, uh, there's a couple ranked teams playing, but they're not playing each other. So that's what you'll see for college basketball for the weekend. Uh, we got about a minute left in the show. Um, this was your halfway edition, episode 51, and we will be at the time slot from 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern from here on out. And on Fridays from here on out, for the next couple of weeks at least, we will have shows at night. Yes, we'll have 6 p.m. Eastern shows, 3 p.m. Uh, Pacific on Fridays for the next couple of Fridays here in January. It should be a good time. It should be a fun time here in the world of the Hoopers Lodge. Here on CLNS Radio, my name is Timo Buckets. We'll, get, we'll, we'll, we'll be back for you on Martin Luther King Day. We will be here for Episode 52, 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern here through CLNS Radio, on the FanDuel, uh, uh, in the FanDuel studios, through Blog Talk Radio. My name is Timo Buckets. Thank you again for listening. Have a fantastic weekend. Watch some football. Watch the basketball. Enjoy yourself, everybody. It's a great sports weekend. Woo! Enjoy the second half of the NBA season.